Hi, welcome to the Mind Hacker Club podcast. This podcast is unscripted, which means it is raw, not pretty, but authentic. I like to tell my friends that I have been blessed with the gift of hardship. And so in this podcast, I will be taking you through some of the struggles and the hardships I've been through and what I learned from them in the hopes that you can also get inspiration for the hardships that you have gone through, that you're going through, that you might go through in the future. So please enjoy this episode. And remember, at the end, let me know what you thought of the episode so that I can then adjust and keep sharing my stories that you find resonant. Thank you so much for joining. Before I go into today's podcast, I just want to give you a warning. What I'm about to talk about is very sensitive. It might trigger some memories for some people. It might trigger very strong emotions. So please, please be warned because I will be discussing very sensitive topics. Um, So if that's not what you're looking for or if you need to prepare yourself beforehand, please totally do that. If you need to move away from this episode, do that as well. But yes. So when I was 17... I was raped. I did not know that I was raped until eight years later. And how I found out that what happened was rape was that I was in therapy. I had just broken up with someone. And um, for some reason, every time I sort of thought about this person that I'd broken up with, I would get memories about something else, about someone else. And so I went into therapy, I said to my therapist, like every time I I go to think about what's happening right now in my life, I'm taken back to to that moment um in my in my childhood, in my teenage years, where and I don't know why. And then she said, Well, ex- explain to me what happened, why are you thinking about this person? Like, tell me. And so then I recounted everything that happened. And then she goes, Do you know you know what you just described, right? I was like, <laughs> don't you, do, like, this is the thing, the thing about therapists. You never know if they're asking you, like, actual questions that you need to answer or if they're asking you rhetorical questions just to prove a point. And so I was just kind of there, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what did I describe, you know? And then she goes, you just described rape. And, I mean, it was just so, it came out of nowhere. Like, it's 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 not something I was expecting her to say. So I was like, huh. And then she said, you described rape. And then she said, sort of counting back what I said to her, she goes, you said you said no. You said you moved away. You said you said no multiple times. And this person still continued. Is that correct? I was like, yeah. And then she's like, that is rape. And so then for the next couple of days, I mean, it's just... I don't know how to describe it. Normally, I'm very good at painting pictures of of what it is I'm feeling or how it is I responded. But imagine that you come into, you enter a room and you are expecting to see, I don't know, a princess or something. And then suddenly what you see is like, I don't know, I don't know, like a flying demon, a flying pig. But it's like, it's just so not what you expected that you, you just kind of, 
You're not angry, you're not shocked, nothing is registering. You're taking in the information, but you're not really letting it sink in because how can you? It's just, you know, it's just so unexpected. And so I think for the first couple of days, and 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 with this therapist, I remember when I walked into um, my ther- this therapist that I was working in, uh, working with his office. I I got there and then I came in. I was like, hey, I'm so confident. Like I'm I'm good. I don't have any issues. I only have this one issue that I need you to tell me more about. And um, and um, then she said to me, you lied. Like a couple of a couple of sessions later, she said to me. Lorraine, you lied. I was like, what did I lie about? I don't I don't uh, consciously or intentionally try to lie. And she's like, you told me that you have confidence and that you're, you're fine and that the only issue that you have is this one thing. You lied. You're not confident. You don't love yourself. You, you have, you, you don't, yeah, just basically calling me out on the fact that I didn't love myself and I was not confident. So when she kind of said to me, you described rape, it was that, that same feeling of, because when she told me I was not confident, like it took me weeks before I could actually start to see what she was talking about, where I could start to trace the patterns and be like, ah, I'm not confident, you know. And so when she said the, the same thing with the rape, it kind of started making sense like a couple of days later, because she was basically saying to me, you said no, no matter who it was, no matter how it happened, as long as you say no and like that's enough that's it that is enough and so then that's when I started to think about it I was like yeah I did say no and I did sort of move away to to, to try to get away from him and when eventually I kind of gave in I kind of dissociated I went to a place I don't think that I, I don't think that that place exists you know the dissociation is such a such a weird thing because it's like you are there but you're not right and like depersonalization and derealization as well it's like you're there but you're not you see things but you don't see them so it's like being transported to a vacuum and in this vacuum you can see and you can feel but because it's a vacuum you're kind of just there I don't know if that makes sense it's just this feeling of emptiness but not an emptiness that's uncomfortable but an emptiness of just nothing is registering nothing is going through right and so when this happened I just went into that place where I was just I was there and so the pain the pain was excruciating at first but I think after a while when you've dissociated enough you just kind of you're in a in a sort of a different um, reality in that sense and so when she said those words and then I actually allowed myself to remember how things happened. It made so much sense because even though it took like eight years later for her to, to tell me that what I had experienced was what I suspected I had experienced, I think somewhere deep inside I kind of knew. I knew that what had happened was what I thought had happened. But I think the implications of saying to someone that um, you raped me, I think that's that's a huge accusation. That's a huge implication. And so my mind wouldn't allow me to go there. But I remember after it happened, 
I was telling a few friends about it and I kept on saying, I'm not saying he raped me, but he was pretty rough. And I kept on repeating that over and over again, over and over again. And I think it's because somehow I knew. I knew what had happened, but I did not have the capacity to process it. And I did not have the capacity to then say to this person or say to someone about this person that they had done one, two, three, right? Because it was such a huge, it's such a huge thing. It's a huge thing to say, you know? And so then it's like, if I'm right now getting emotional because I'm thinking about the the implications and how big, how much of a significance it is to say that somebody raped you, can you imagine the other perspective of just how much of an impact it makes on someone to have that happen to them, right? And I think that day, that's sort of when I really learned to embrace that vacuum, that space, that depersonalization, that derealization as a as a friend. From that moment on, I learned to really separate myself from my feelings and from my body and to just be there somehow, you know. And I'm not going to lie, even after my therapist told me, like, sort of described everything to me and what it meant and what it was, I still couldn't process. I spoke to, I called my mum. I think I called my sister first and I told her. And when I told her, like, I don't know, my sister loves me so much. She cries, <laughs> she cries for me, about me all the time. And so when I told her, she cried so much and she was like, why did you not tell me? Because if you had told me, I would have told you what that was, you know? And I was like, I just did not have the words. Like I, like at that time, like I knew absolutely nothing about sex. Like I was at, at a stage where, you know, just the idea of sex was just like, what, you know? <laughs> That's how young I was, because I, I grew up a very uh, nerdy, like, books kind of girl. Like, that's all I did. I studied. I was just innocent. And I was daydreaming about the day I'd be in Hollywood and making it big. That I never actually, like, experimented with, like, penises <laughs> in that sense. So, yeah, my sister cried. And she was like, if you had told me, I would have definitely told you what it was. And she just cried so much. And then I called my mom and my mom as well. Like, she cried. It was just, we cried, we cried, we cried. But it was like, what do I do with this information? Like, I don't know what to do with that. What What would you do with that information, right? So I just was like, okay, now I know. I cried and it, and it, it helped, to be honest, to know that because then I could. And actually, now that and afterwards, when I thought about it, I remember this one time I'd gone to, um, I'd gone to the doctor's um, when I was living in England to get um, an, a screening for STIs, right? And then the doctor said to me, every time I go to touch you, to examine you, you sort of recoil, you sort of tense up. Have you had a traumatic sexual experience? And I was like, yeah, like, 
once this happened, and even then I was not describing, it did not sink in my head that I was describing sexual assault, right? And so I did not, but afterwards when my therapist told me this and I remembered that, I was like, yeah, I absolutely remember. I, I absolutely like remember the the toll that had on me, right? Because like, I don't want to go too much into into details and graphics because it's just, it's just harrowing. Like even me thinking about it, even me talking about it now, I I have forgiven, I have processed, I I've become stronger from that experience. But even just recounting it, it's it's awful. It's it is absolutely awful. It is sad. It is gut-wrenching. It is the most painful, torturous thing that anyone could ever experience. And that feeling of not being able to tell someone sooner and for them to tell me what had happened, you know? It's like, that's just one of the things, like, I get so sad about the reality that our girls, you know, and our boys, they don't get taught about sex enough times. They don't get taught about consent enough times, you know, because honestly, I blame society more than anything for what happened. And of course, I blame the person that did this, you know, it's like, there's no two ways about it. Like, if you do not get to violate someone what for whatever reason, whether you've been taught how to be like j- just the same way I wouldn't walk into someone's house and literally barge in and hit them so I can get their computer and their TV. Like nobody needs to teach me that. I know that that's wrong, right? So how come it, we think it's okay for someone to, because that's, that, that's the equivalent of breaking into someone's house because this is my body and without my consent, you're breaking into it. Do you get what I mean? It's like, we know it's wrong to break into someone's house to steal a computer and that's a, that's a, that's a material possession, that's something small, yet we think it's okay to, to break into somebody else's body and just sort of violate them on that sense, right? And so I know, I know 100% that there's no excuse for what this person did. But I also know that like our society puts girls and puts people in these positions where they're so unprotected they're so unaware of the realities of this world they're so naive to the fact that people can take advantage of them and they just don't have the tools to even you know like think about it for eight years I had adults around me I had teachers around me I had everyone around me but not a single person once said anything that made me put two and two together and so that's what gets me angry it gets me angry as well that society makes boys feel like they're to be a man they have to 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 get girls or they make or that they don't have that much education or I don't know but it just angers me especially from the girl's perspective to 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 think that girls' bodies are just viewed as these sexual things, you know? It's like, can I not just be a person, you know? And that experience has really, 
affected how I relate with men or how I used to relate with men because actually now I'm so much better like now like uh, I mean <laughs> we have done the work like I am so proud of the work that I've put in I'm so proud of the journey that I've been on I'm so proud that even though I'm crying right now and I don't know what this is gonna sound like if it's gonna sound like too raw to whatever it is I am so freaking proud that I get to record this and I get to tell my story not just for the sake of telling my story or trying to tarnish anyone's reputation or trying to judge anyone, but so that someone else can listen to this and go, oh my gosh, if this can happen to this person and they can get through it, I most definitely can. Like it's possible for for me to to get through it as well. And I don't mean that as if, as if like I'm the standard of strength or whatever. I mean that from the humblest pos- uh, position ever, that if I, weak, weak Lorraine, because I can tell you, like, I was weak as a person just because, I mean, I was not weak, but I think by the standards of this world, just how naive and how much I didn't fight back and how much, I told you I come from a family where we don't really shout, we don't really fight. So then it's like, I'm just there, naive. I trust everyone. I don't shout. I don't scream. I don't fight, you know? So then it's like, if from that perspective, if someone like me that was so just unequipped for life can do this I'm pretty sure that you also can do this if this is something that you're struggling with or if it's something that you've experienced but yes <sighs> so <laughs> so then it takes me eight years to find out that what happened was rape and then it takes me another four years to actually process that and to actually realize, and this is where I really want to dwell on, the the power of our brains. Our brains are so remarkable that they will do anything to protect us, right? And like I said, I said from the beginning that after it happened, I had a suspicion of like, mm, this is what just happened, right? But because my brain knew that I was not ready whatsoever to process what just happened, it just kind of put it aside and it was like, nope, we're not dealing with this, right? And that my brain helped me because if I had processed at that time, I don't know how how I would have, what state I would have ended up in, you know, if I would have ended up just being so distraught mentally that it would affect my my mental, like my actual brain and how my brain works, you know? And as well, just also thinking about when the when the actual violation happened that i dissociated now dissociation is not a fun experience like being in your body but not being able to take in what's happening or being in a place but not but feeling like you're everyone's there and you're by yourself that's not a fun experience whatsoever whatsoever but when i recall that moment of just my brain took me to a place of safety when my body was just physically in danger and experiencing this harrowing act, my brain just was like, no, we're just going to go somewhere else. We're going to zone out. We're just going to, you know, we're just going to focus on something else. And I'm so grateful for that because then the pain, although it was excruciating, it was, it was, I could deal. I could deal. I could process. I could take it in that sense. Oh, yeah, that word. <laughs> that word. Just, uh, yeah. Because no one should have to take anything, you know. 
No one should have to be there and just, yeah, that should never, ever, ever happen to anyone. I don't care whether you're female, male, cis, trans, I don't care who you are. That should never happen to anyone. Ever. But yes, thankfully, because of my resilient brain and my fantastic, fantastic mind that was there protecting me, I was able to not be so affected by what was happening to a point, like to a breaking point. And so then how did I process? I mean, the last two years, honestly, have been the most intense healing process of my life. The years before that were kind of like I was I was learning more about feeling safe in general right and that's where the faith in god came in and really helped me feel safe in the world because scripture tells us that god is with us right you're with me you go before me you'll never leave me nor forsake me you're there always you know and so then to to have that covering and have that in my head and in my heart and believe it that okay there's someone looking out for me god is looking out for me that really helped you know also understanding that i have as much right to be in this world as anyone else i have as much right to say no as anyone else that i worked on a lot and that's what i did actually after when i graduated from from um my master's degree i took a year off of i didn't look for a job i didn't look for i just found like a part-time job that could you know bring in some money to pay the bills and all that stuff and so during that time outside of focusing on content creation and focusing on yeah and sort of yeah content creation i started to focus more on um building up that understanding of I have a right to be in this world I am safe I am loved yeah I cultivated that a lot and then that formed the basis of the last two years and how I then went deep and started working on my mind because a lot of it was even though my brain was so incredible they didn't let me process things it's like now I was just like this storage, like this bag full of junk that was not going anywhere, right? Because things would happen, I would experience stuff and it would just go in, I would notice it, but I would not process, right? I would just be there like, nope, it's too much, I can't handle, I go off into my own little world and then afterwards I'm like, okay, it seems like it's safe now, I come back out, but that all of that experience was going into my body somewhere and it was getting stored in my body, right? And so then uh, the last two years was like, okay, confrontation time, confrontation time. Like you need to confront things. And um, that's when, so in total, it took me 11 years, 11 years for me to actually process this. 11 freaking years it took me to process this. And, uh, yeah, what happened was that I would go to church and, and I, at the time I was trying out different churches, I'd go to different churches and every time I went in, they would start talking about forgiveness. And every time they spoke about forgiveness, I would sort of, it would feel like, hmm, 
why does it feel like it's relevant for me? But I didn't know why. So, so then I'd, I'd wreck my brain. I was like, what have I not forgiven? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think I'm holding a grudge against anyone. What's going on? All those things. And then I Googled the word forgiveness. And somewhere when I was reading, it, it was just like this idea of like to forgive something, you need to have felt the emotions. You need to have sort of gone through that feeling and then letting it go and then comes the forgiveness, right? And what I'd realized was that I would just say, I forgive you and then I'd move on without processing the thing that actually I'm forgiving you for, right? And so with the same, it's the same thing with the sexual assault. I was like, okay, it happened. Now I know I'm sad, I'm angry a little bit, but I forgive this person, I'm moving on. When actually I hadn't cried, like deeply. I hadn't confronted the emotions that I felt. I hadn't confronted whatever the thoughts I had felt felt were and what I was thinking. And so then I was really journaling a lot. I was walking a lot. I was um, praying a lot. I was listening to music a lot. I would just sit and I would I remember at the time I was reading this book. It was it's by Vishen Lakhiani, the the founder of Mind Valley, and it's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And he had a chapter on forgiveness in that book. And then I lay, and then he's like has this meditation, and I can't remember clearly, but he's like, go go deep into this meditation, think about something. And oh my gosh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And remember, I'm I'm reading about this because I was struggling at work at the time. I was reading about this. I was reading this book to help me find a way to be better at work because I was just like, just not having fun. <laughs> and so I come in with this perspective of like, it's about work. It's about work. And then it's, he says forgiveness. And so I lie down on my bed. The, the sun is out, and I'm, my bed was by the window. And I'm just like, the sun is just hitting me. It was just such such a beautiful moment. I'm lying there and I go, okay, I do the exercise. And then suddenly I just get hit with the realization that my brain like took took the scarring. My brain took the beating. Even though what happened happened to my body, it was like my brain like took the beating, stored this beating inside and then caused that to then live in my body. Do you get what I mean? It's like something happened a snapshot was taken, it went up to my brain, and then that snapshot stayed in my brain so long that it felt like that thing that had happened was had been happening for over the last 11 years, right? And so then I start bawling and crying and realizing, oh my gosh, and I get transported to that memory of just, just me lying there and just dis- dissociating and going off into another world and just rem- just also this sense of gratitude. I was so thankful for my brain because I'm telling you, I don't know what would have happened if I had not zoned out, if I had not sort of gone into my own little world and separated myself from my body. And so then in that moment, I started to like really talk to my brain. I know it sounds weird, but I started to write down and just be like, thank you so much for taking on that sort of violation so that I wouldn't have to you know it felt like maybe like a conversation with between my mind and my soul right my mind and my heart that my heart was grateful that my mind took on 
the trauma because if it had gone into my heart i don't know like i would have probably not been able to trust anyone to function to date to to do a single thing because of just how traumatic that experience was and so i started talking to my brain i was like thank you so much for taking on that burden thank you so much for protecting me in such a way thank you so much for making sure for holding it down and holding it together for the last 11 years and then i was like but I am here now. You took care of me when I couldn't show up, but now I'm here to take care of you. You know? And now I'm reminded of just that promise that I made to myself that I will take care of me. You know? For so long, I was so powerless I was so scared, I was so afraid, I was so fragile, I was afraid to live, I was afraid to experience anything. And my body protected me, my mind protected me, God protected me, my loved ones protected me. When I couldn't show up for myself, somehow my body and my brain showed up for me you know and now that I think about it in this moment I think that's pretty much where the the idea for Mind Hacker Club was was formed because shortly after that day I started to focus a lot on my thoughts and God started showing me just how my perspective in life how I chose to classify things, how I chose to name experiences, he began to show me that that was harming me, right? Because if I'm going into life and somebody say, says, top of the morning to you, and they don't smile, and I just noticed that they didn't smile and not notice that they actually said hello or something, and then begin to then have a negative sort of perspective on that, that really affects my brain and that really affects the reality that I live in, right? And so from that day, that's when I had just this feeling deep inside and I'm feeling it right now of just, I need to take care of myself. I need to protect myself because I can, because I have the power to, you know? And so it feels like even though it took me long enough to show up for myself, even though it took me long enough to have some self-confidence, self-esteem, self-compassion, acceptance, that I finally have done it, you know? And of course, there's more to do, there's more to, to learn, but I have finally done it. I am showing up for myself, you know? And from that day, I started... I remember there's a scripture in in the Bible, it's um, Philippians 4 verse 8, and it's like, whatever is good, whatever is pure, honorable, of good reputation, anything that's holy, all of that, think about it. You know? Think about it. And I think in verse 6, then it talks about being anxious for, for nothing, but with everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in our heart to make our requests known to god you know and i remember that in philippians 4 4 it starts to talk about being rejoice rejoicing always rejoicing always 
And so at that moment, like when I started to want to work with my mind so that I could actually give myself a, because our bodies, like now I'm going to go into a very complicated thing, but this is how I see it. And I hope that you follow and you understand. But for me, it's like our body is our house, right? Your apartment. If you could walk into your apartment and you wouldn't let it stink and be overrun by worms and like insects and just dust everywhere and it's just this stinking pile if you can't do that if you can't allow that to happen to your house how can you then possibly allow all the junk of thoughts that are not serving you all these ugly memories to just live inside of you of course for a time it's 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 a necessity because sometimes you can't do you can't get rid of everything all at the same time you can't you just can't do certain things all at the same time you need to be compassionate and give yourself time but what I'm against what I've learned to stand against is standing against accepting things that I should not accept as if those are normal and okay right living with trauma in your body it's it's a result of what happened to you but it should not you should not whenever you get to a point where you are able to where you, where you have the strength because, and I, I give an example of the reason I took antidepressants was because I had zero strength of fighting the thoughts that I had. And so I needed help. So I took the antidepressants. As soon as I felt like I had enough strength to be like, uh-uh, you thoughts, I darkness, all these thoughts that are so bad, I don't want anything to do with you. As soon as I, I felt strong enough to do that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to take the antidepressants. I'm going to fight these thoughts so that I can actually be very, very happy, right? So I want you to understand that there is a time and a season and a capacity for each time and season that we have. And so I'm not saying that if you've gone through trauma that you need to toughen up and and sort of get better but what I'm saying is that there will come a time when you feel very strong or you feel strong enough to fight for yourself and when that time comes you need to act on it and really fight for yourself because if you don't fight for yourself no one will and you shouldn't accept anxiety and fear and darkness as normal of course it's normal to experience that but it's not normal to sit in those experiences for over an extended period of time and so if you're struggling to get out of those periods you either go to get therapy you either take antidepressants you take medication you tell someone whatever the case but you need to fight for yourself and so even when I was weak and even when I was totally out I knew that I needed someone else to be my strength and I reached out and so this is my encouragement to you I'm really passionate about this if you need to get help, go get help. Don't try to toughen it out. Don't try to live in that shame and ugly emotions that I'm talking about, that I'm saying you need to get rid of and understand that they're, they're the enemy. They're, they're emotions like shame. As soon as you feel shame, you should know that mm -mm, that is not a thought that is there to help you. It's actually there to keep you down. And so if you feel shame, ashamed about something, that's your cue to actually do that counterintuitive thing, the opposite thing, and reach out and talk to someone to get help right? So don't accept all these emotions as normal just because you felt them for long enough because my fear is where those emotions will push you. If you listen to the first episode of my podcast, you know where those feelings almost took me, where those emotions almost end, like sort of 
what what they almost drove me to doing so please 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 get help you will worry about how you look how how people perceive you afterwards but now just get help if you need to get help right and so yes (laughs) now I'm talking about something else that I didn't mean to talk about but yeah and so then it took me I, I was I'm journaling I'm I'm praying I'm reading I'm at one point I I think I called a, a helpline because I was like I feel like I'm gonna burst into like I used to cry so much that it felt like I was about to explode do you know if you microwave a tomato and then suddenly poof that's how much that's that's what I was afraid of and so every time I cried I'd just be like god what if today is a day that like my brain explodes because of how much I'm crying and one time like my sister called me my sister goes to bed quite early but at this time it was like 10 p.m i am crying like i'm crying like gut-wrenching cry like uh, like just i'm crying and then she happens to call me and then i just kind of pretend like hey how are you and then she's like what's wrong as soon as she said that it all came out and i think for like a good 30 minutes to an hour i was just crying and crying and crying and then she starts crying on the phone and she's like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay you know and i'm just bawling my eyes out you know and so it's like there is no escaping the fact that we need to face things you know our brains are so resilient that they will take the brunt for us. But when we're strong enough, we need to be able to fight for ourselves and develop the right tools so that, God forbid, if anything else of that sort happens again, that you'd have the tools to fight for yourself and not succumb to, to that kind of violation, right? Because Just because I've experienced tough things and hardships in the past does not now exempt me from experiencing them again in the future. I pray that I don't have to go through anything like that ever again. I pray that I don't go through anything traumatic in the future, but just by virtue of me being alive, it's a possibility that it might happen, right? So that's why it's so important to work with your mind and to develop the right tools and to make sure that that because our brains are so resilient, they hide all these different thoughts from us. What do we do to draw out these thoughts from within ourselves, right? I was in therapy and somebody drew out the thought of like, because I knew I'd been raped, but I just didn't know how to process because of the huge implications but because my therapist was with me she was able to draw this information out of me and help me feel safe enough to process right and it's the same thing with like my sister whenever I have conversations with her she helps me draw these things out of me right and so it's the same for you like what are you doing to draw these things out of yourself right reading is a great way uh, of drawing certain emotions out of yourself I was reading a book by um Mm, can't remember her name but it's about attachment I will find the the name of it and I'll put it in the in the description box here in the show notes so you can have a look at it but it's about anxious attachment because I would find that like I I I used to cling on to people even if they were so bad for me like I would just cling on and cling on and cling on because what I just needed to belong to someone I just needed to feel like somebody loved me so then whenever they would reject me I would come out like really hard and just kind of like cling on to that person I'd rather have them treat me like rubbish rather than not have someone right and so when I started to read this book I started to understand that the many there are multiple yous right 
there's there's the child you that experienced something and then there's the critical you that is like well you've experienced this before you don't want you to experience it again so we're going to be critical and protect you there's the the positive and uh, sort of naive sort of like childlike you that's like hopeful and wants and has big dreams and you know there's just so many different versions of yourself that you've accumulated over time right and if all of them are sort of overwhelming overwhelmingly feeling sort of unsafe you end up kind of feeling like anxious to attach to someone or anxious or avoidant of attaching to someone right and so reading was very instrumental for me because I began to understand myself I began to understand I told you about the the code of the extraordinary mind and how I was able to sort of let go and forgive and experience what I went through but first acknowledging what I went through and embracing that right and so walking as well I used to walk without music on, without playing anything. I would walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. And when I walked and in the sun, it was so beautiful, the breeze. I like walking through forests because then the trees are so big. They're so much bigger than you that you feel covered and you feel safe. And all that green is so calming and just that quiet, the noise just is so beautiful. That would help me just really calm down and detach. Because in a forest, there are no screens in a forest. There are no buildings in a forest. There are no the people, but they're also minding their own business. And so I would be completely detached in a healthy way. Because normally I would just sit on my bed or I'd be at work, but I'd be completely detached from my environment, which is not the most, it's not the most pleasant experience. I don't know how healthy it is. I could say it's not healthy, but I will also say it's not the most pleasant experience to go through. But actually being able to detach in a safe way by being in, an, in a forest, that really helped me. And so I'd journal as well because writing your thoughts I mean we think so many different things all at once and then you think one thing and then suddenly you think I'm sad and then suddenly somebody's messaging you so you're thinking about the stuff that you need to do for them so then journaling and really taking the time out to put down my thoughts without filtering them to just write them down gave me the opportunity to really focus in on what I was feeling right and then crying of course crying like letting out the emotions and just crying 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 for some people like I don't really experience anger <laughs> maybe that's the next thing I need to work on because I don't I don't get angry I get annoyed but I never get angry and I think it's because that emotion was never really modeled to me like I said nobody gets angry in my family we just we don't get angry <laughs> so maybe that's that's the next step that I need to look at um let me know if if you think mm, there's something there if you're a therapist a psychologist whoever let me know if you think that that's something I need to work on but yeah just having an outlet for your emotions having support my sister my mother my pastors my friends I cannot thank them enough they were just beautiful support system you need to have Ooh, I almost forgot someone important, my manager at work. Like this stuff she does not know about. So if if you're listening, you're probably going, oh, Lorraine, oh my gosh. But she was such a massive help. And I will create I'll make it I'll record something separate about my manager from work. But she was such an amazing, amazing support system that it felt so safe for me to be at work. And whenever these issues came up, I didn't feel too sort of like too much pressure at work that I could not sort of take time to to deal with them, right? Because I would message my manager and I'd be like, I don't know what's wrong with me today because I didn't know what's wrong with me today, but I don't feel good and I need to take time for myself. And she would be like, for sure, let me know what you need. You know, she'd be so supportive. 
And what else? Yes, and just being intentional, having a routine. Because the, if you want to stay in the same place, don't have a routine. Like literally, our, our brains are also kind of, they work on trying to preserve energy, right? So one might say they, they, they take the easy way out, the, the, the path of least resistance. So if you don't have a routine, if you have to think about what you need to do, your brain will be like, eh, too much effort. And then you will do whatever is the least sort of least uh, energy um, consuming in that sense, right? So you need to have a routine in place so that you have an environment where you could safely explore those emotions and just safety 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 I remember at that time like when I was processing stuff I'd start to see the color green and I'll be in the forest and it's green and I'll just like you know I just I would see safety in the little little things and so I think that's the key thing of and I lived by myself and so I knew that if I needed to cry all of a sudden I could do that without somebody walking in and me feeling too vulnerable and then kind of clemming up and so creating that environment of safety for yourself whatever it looks like for you for some people it might look like having loads of pictures up it might look like painting your wall a certain color it might look like making sure like you draw the curtains every day right because safety when I say safety I don't mean comfort zone because your comfort zone can be very skewed depending on where what you've become comfortable with for example I was very comfortable with being negative having negative thoughts being afraid I was comfortable with that because that's what I knew and so what I needed to do was make sure that I created a safe environment for me to come out of that comfort zone by making sure that I opened my curtains, I drew my curtains, I would let the sun sunlight in, I would open the door so I could get fresh air, I would go out for walks, I'd come back in, I would eat good food. So that was how I'd, cre I'd create that safety for myself, right? And so create that safe environment for you. And if anyone is not safe for you, cut them off or at least sort of put them aside until you're healthy enough to come, and back, come back and deal with them. Yes, I say this to say that our brains are remarkable. They're here to serve us and they do such amazing work at that. But at the same time, they can, they're only capable of doing so much and they can sort of also get in the way or they can they're just so good at doing their job that we might miss out on things right you might miss out on the fact that in my situation that I was raped because my brain was protecting me but I needed to acknowledge what happened in order for me to move on and in order for me to heal right and so you need to work with your mind and examine your thoughts what thoughts are you thinking are they giving you a life sort of are they life-giving thoughts or are they stealing and killing and destroying your joy and your peace right so work with your mind.